0: Look, more power to them if they have strong opinions about something. That's great. You know, that's part of how you uh, start to establish yourself as a thought leader. But there's a difference between a thought leader and a thought doer. Welcome to the Up in Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency and insights from business professionals, sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host,
1: Angus Nelson. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson, and it is so great to have you here. If it's your first time visiting, I want you to know that my role here, I see it as helping you master your mindset, dominate your fears, unleash your amazing, and live your most effective self. So therefore, this is a weekly dose for discovering both business savvy and emotional intelligence. And today, we've got a treat. It is another one of our hashtag full Nelson episodes. And for those of you that don't know, occasionally I have my identical twin brother, Marcus Nelson, join me as a co-host. And this show is one of those. And we are talking today with Scott Monty of Scott Monty Strategies. And he speaks to groups and advises brands and agencies to help them in Embrace the fundamentals of human communication in this digital age. Uh, Digital age, that is. Uh, Scott spent six years as an executive at Ford Motor Company, and that's how we met through my day job working with him at Ford. And he was a strategic advisor on crisis communications, influencer relations, customer service, a whole bunch of stuff over there. And his clients include. Um, when he was doing agencies work, uh, Walmart, IBM, Coca-Cola, American Airlines, just the na- lots of big names. Now, here's the best part. He was ranked by The Economist as one of the number one on uh, a top of about 25 social business leaders. Forbes recognized him in top 10 influencers in social media. So he knows his stuff. He's internationally recognized you know, in all the areas of digital communication and transformation, social media, marketing, etc., And we're going to tap into a little bit of that knowledge, but in addition, we'll also get a little bonus about one of his affinities, Uh, and he also built a podcast around it, and that is uh, a show called I Hear Sherlock Everywhere. He loves Sherlock Holmes, so you can hear a little bit about that too. So it's going to be a really fun interview. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Let's jump into it right now. You're listening to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm on the line here with uh, my twin brother, my partner in crime, Marcus Nelson, making this a hashtag full Nelson episode. Marcus, what do you have for breakfast today? I had a protein shake and uh, a half a bag of pretzels. (laughs) How did you mix pretzels with a protein shake? That sounds kind of contradictory. I think my wife was uh, packing pretzels for my youngest and uh, left the bag on the counter, and you know I can't just let that be. Well, so Help yeah. yeah. So much for discipline and working out, but you're still <laughs> lo- you're still looking pretty buff. I think you can afford it. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, hashtag Full Nelson episode number three. This is the third time we've done that, uh, done this, and on the line with us is our victim. Scott Monty. Scott, welcome to the show. What did you do that we felt was the most passionate thing in the last six weeks?
0: In the last
1: six weeks. Hi,
0: guys. First of all, nice to be here with you. Uh, The most passionate thing I did in the last six weeks, it was probably edit the latest uh, episode of my podcast, which I did a little bit differently than I've done previous episodes, and the result was uh, just an episode that was head and shoulders above previous uh, iterations, and uh, it took a lot of effort, um, but again, when you got passion, you know, it, it keeps you burning the midnight oil. That's oh. right, that's right.
1: Well, okay, so as a podcaster on a podcast, what is it that you did differently that took it to that next level?
0: So, I host a little show called I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, it's a, a podcast for fans of Sherlock Holmes, been doing it for, oh gosh, nine years now. We're actually coming up on our 100th episode next month. And we typically do two shows a month. One show is my co-host and I just talking about news and, you know, something from the stories. And maybe we'll do a quiz or something like that. And then the alternate show is a, an interview show. And typically, we do it like this, where we bring a guest on over Skype, and we just pepper them with questions. And nine times out of ten, it's a great show, because these people are all very unique and very interesting in their own right. However, at the end of April, I had occasion to visit Sydney, Australia. And as I do when I go to any new city, I look up the person who is responsible for the Sherlock Holmes Society in that city. And, yes, there are Sherlock Holmes societies in every city across the United States, uh, across the globe, really. Yeah. It's it's like rotary, right? <laughs> so you show up and you, all right, who's the local representative? How can <laughs> I go awesome. to a meeting? And, and usually the, the thing with these people is all they require to get together is an excuse. They say for, for an official Sherlockian meeting to take place, all you need are two Sherlockians and a bottle, and when in a pinch, dispense with the other Sherlockian. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So the Sydney passengers, and there was a story uh, that that uh, followed uh, the the old uh, penal colony, uh, you know, transportation that they did from England to uh, Australia. Uh, so the Sydney passengers were named uh, in honor of them. So they just got about eight or ten people together at a pub, and I brought my recording device, and I just went around the table and and interviewed everyone. So at the end of it, I was left with a jumble of eight or so interviews, all with the same questions, really. And I'm like, well, it would be really boring to just bring these on and, and in serial format do, well, how did you first meet Sherlock Holmes, and what do you do for a living, and blah, blah, blah. So I took it upon myself to approach it with kind of the all, uh, not the all things considered, the um, uh, This American Life version of storytelling, Mm -hmm. right? Where there's, there's a story arc, and I'm using the quotes to actually support the story. Well, that requires a lot of editing, right? And Angus, I know you do your own editing for this show. Yeah. Uh, when you put in the sound effects and the music and what you have to figure out, you know, what the story is going to say and piece together all those portions of the transcript, it's, it's a big undertaking. Yeah, I, so I'm just guessing, is,
1: I'm just totally spitballing. I'm going to go with 18 hours.
0: Probably about right. It's yeah. probably about for an hour long show. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah. So like for me to do a show, you know, I, unfortunately I'm kind of a perfectionist and I'm trying to get better at this. I'm trying to, you know, let go of some of the details, but for me to do show notes, to do, you know, the editing, to get everything up is probably about four hours of Mm -hmm. my week. And sometimes depending on the guests, if there's extra editing, it might take as much as six hours. Labor of love, right? It has to be, has to be. Yeah. That's what we do for you listeners, our family and friends, to serve hey, you.
0: How about throwing a little cash Angus's way? You got to yeah. a donation <laughs> by yeah. anyway.
1: We should, right? We're getting there. <laughs> actually, have, have, you have know... You
0: actually, have you tried Patreon?
1: I haven't. Tell
0: you me. You should check it out at patreon.com. Mm-hmm. And the reason I love it, I use it for my newsletter, and I use it for my podcast. It, uh, Unlike Kickstarter, right, where you have to... You know basically jump through all these hoops and either you perform or you don't people only are charged based on the content that you put out so you don't put out a newsletter this week they don't pay right mm. so it's a per mm. piece kind of donation yeah. and you know for a dollar an episode or five dollars an episode however people want to do it, they can choose what uh, what level they want to come in at
1: wow that's that's, that's interesting okay I, I made a note. I'm gonna check that out. It actually sounds really cool. Yeah, I've been doing this for um, gosh uh, nine, ten months, and um, actually, uh, this weekend will be the celebration of one year since the day I pulled out a video camera and told the world that I was going to do it. I would spent like almost a year telling people, "Oh, I'm I'm thinking about this podcast. I'm going to do this podcast." And then finally, I just, you know, got sick of listening to my own BS and said, no, I'm going to have to do this podcast. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that kind of brings us into you kind of have to put up or shut up. And and that's kind of a nice little segue into where I kind of want to go in this. So, Scott, in the intro, I told everybody about, you know, your most pristine background. And so you, you know, have all these accolades to your name about, you know, top 10, 20, 25, top 50, whatever of, you know, this, that, and the other in social marketing. And yet what I love is the fact that you just say, I'm not an expert.
0: (laughs) Yeah, to me, expertise, or or at least being recognized as an expert, that's something that your peers have to grant you. Uh, I I see all too many people out there who are self-proclaimed experts, and it just really gets my goat. Uh, you know, just do the work. Do the work, and the accolades will follow if you're worth anything, right? If you're not, then it'll be pretty transparent as right. to what you're all about. Uh, and and to me, it's a big red flag if someone is out there calling them something that is really um, that, that that that's based on earning the right. Then I I, I just kind of bristle at it.
1: Right. And well, so you have um, an agency now that kind of, you know, that you're doing your own thing, consulting, etc. You have your Sunday night show that you do, which is a Facebook live, um, which we have the hashtag full Nelson episode <laughs> with Marcus on here, but your show Sunday nights is the full Monty. And uh, I, yeah, this is great. We got the full Nelson, full Monty. So for you, Being out there and having kind of done the work, done the grind. Marcus, your background being Salesforce and now you yourself are a contractor doing the work, doing the grind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you listen to people who are talking a big game but haven't necessarily gone through those steps, who haven't necessarily done the work. Like, how do you process all of that? You guys were there from the beginning cutting your teeth and these guys are (laughs) Johnny-come-latelys. Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I don't know that I really sat down and thought about it. I mean, I, you know, I've go to, gone to conferences and, you know, you always see those people that stand up there and they they spout off, you know, what they've learned or what they think, uh, what they believe, um, but they haven't really actually, you know, they're not true practitioners in the sense of sitting in the saddle for a big company, um, and I I don't think that's ever really bothered me per se. Um, I think when it does bother me is if I see them working on a project that I wish I was working on, maybe then <laughs> maybe I get a little jealous, I suppose. But I really didn't I don't know that I have really put a whole lot of thought into it. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Scott?
0: Well, you know, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I look, more power to them if they have strong opinions about something. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of how you uh, start to establish yourself as a thought leader. But there's a difference between a thought leader and a thought doer, right? Mm-hmm. And and I I don't begrudge them the opportunity to uh, to to counsel clients or to have those projects. What I what I do question is when when people follow them like lemmings yeah. without really thinking through. Well, is there some basis in this? You know, if it's somebody who is simply uh, platform happy. And, and simply wants to share with you their love of a particular, you know, new shiny object. Well, that's great, but how does it fit into the overall, uh, in, into the overall flow of your business strategy? How does it fit with your marketing efforts and your communications efforts? Um, it, it's likely part of something bigger, but they become so narrowly focused and so excited about that one thing that they're not able to articulate exactly how it fits with the rest of the business. And that's where I think there is some danger. Yeah.
1: And it's got a lot of, I mean, the power of social media in and of itself just has a lot of voices and it's a lot of noise. Um, So in some realms, people have to be a little more outstated to kind of stand up and above all that. But at the same time, there's lots of people talking just a lot, both of you have been speaking out in the last couple of years about employee advocacy, where employees use their voice to talk about their brand, talk about their work. And all of a sudden, we see a transition of where companies used to be the silo of a social channel where they just had one channel, one Twitter you know page, one Facebook page, and it was Brand X. Mm. And now employees have kind of taken upon themselves or other smart companies have given them the opportunity to talk about their brand and use their voice. How do you see the balance between um, an employee who kind of becomes a thought leader or becomes that voice as an employee, but not necessarily as the company? I remember having this idea when I was at Salesforce that, you know, there should be some means that employees should be able to participate if they wish to on social media on behalf of the company and you know that was really kind of what initiated what um we did with inside of Salesforce Tweetforce what we called and we got together a lot of our MVPs who were the people that outside of our organization consultants and you know just super admins for Salesforce and then employees that we had internally and so you know, between those two groups, we probably had you know a couple hundred people, and I think it was really manageable, and everybody was super excited. Um, and then we built out this platform so that those people could share. But you know, it was something that those people inherently already did because it was either their personality or you know, it was just part of what they did. Here we are, a couple of years later. And now there's a lot of platforms that enable this and and feed it into employees. And now what I think what my kind of reservation to it today or my regret maybe, um, maybe regret's a strong word, but uh, what I, I feel is that it's kind of gone to the point where now it's not just those people who inherently would do it out of their own um you know their own personality or their own will now it's been kind become kind of an expectation on employees and employees that really don't give a rats but they want to get recognized from their company will go ahead and hook up you know xyz companies you know platform to their service and they'll go ahead and kind of robotically just share whatever comes down the pipe and it so it floods the market of twitter and facebook and what have you with corporate news and it's just it's canned. There's no life. There's no vitality. There's no opinion. There's no uh, reflection. It All it is is just moving a message. And it, it, I think what now is done, it's become clutter. It's become um, overwhelming. And it's really discouraged people, especially like Twitter. Twitter is a great example. Now Twitter is no longer conversation. I think conversation is just a small percentage of what happens there. Now it's just sharing stuff selling you things I'm you know I'm doing social sales so I'm going to send you the latest you know link on what our platform can do for you yada 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 or we're content management so here's the 12 pieces of content we're syndicating and distributing through our employee workforce for today and tomorrow Mm. we'll have 12 more queued up and it's just rubbish all it is is just stuffing the pipe with rubbish and I think that's the part, in hindsight, that I regret uh, of, of initiating it, I guess, or helping to kind of incubate it in that it's kind of gone the opposite way. Marketers do ruin everything. You know, we ruined mail, we ruined phone calls, we ruined your cell phone experience, you know, we <laughs> ruined your email, and now we've ruined your social media. Thank <laughs> God for marketers. Thank God for <laughs>
0: You know, I think the emotion that you're trying to touch on there, Marcus, is ennui. Mm. It's, uh, it, it's sad. It, 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 it's sad that, that collectively we have allowed it to get to this point. Yeah. And yet, you know, we're, we're the ones still in charge. We're the ones that should be able to lead uh, our, our way out of this. And, and I think that, that part of the problem and 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 I don't blame this fully. but part of the problem is when paid media came along for social. you know how to how to scale, right? And social simply became uh, something where you are billboarding, mm-hmm. where you're simply trying to approach a mass marketing approach rather than focusing on those one to one or one to few relationships. Mm-hmm. and And frankly, I still put a lot of value, and this, this may sound counterintuitive as to where we are right now, but I still place a lot of value in email. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the open rates on email are way better than uh, the, the, uh, the reach and, and the exposure that you get uh, organically on most of the social networks and even paid to a certain extent. Mm-hmm.
1: Gosh, I love the fact that I can post something onto my fan page and, and it gets to 42 people. <laughs> and I'm like, I have like 800 people. Like, come on, yeah, it's all yeah. pay to play. Yeah, so people are are you know broadcasting. I guess is just kind of the best word um, stuff, as you said, Marcus. Um, and yet, at the same time, people are trying to build their own personal brand. They're trying to position themselves either for you know elevation in their company or elevation in their next job, or just elevation in something they may be trying to do on the side of speaking or a book or something like that. How can people do their own personal brand building in a more authentic way than just stuff?
0: Well, you know, I think part of it relates to, you know, how you position yourself independently of your company. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it's one thing to go and evangelize on behalf of your company. And that, that's great. And, and, and frankly, you should if you really believe in what you and your company are doing. But to use that as a, a foothold to try and make your own name,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, why don't you try and make your own name in something that is parallel to what your company is doing or, or somewhat related. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I first, well, Going way back, I first started blogging, I don't know, probably around 1999 or 2000 or so, but I didn't start writing about the industry, about marketing, communications, and what has become known as social media until about 2005, 2006. I was working at a B2B advertising agency at the time. And I was simply reading a lot. I, I was attending conferences. I was reading marketing books. Uh, I was reading blogs. <laughs> Remember blogs, guys? Um, reading <laughs> yes. blogs of, of people that I respected. And I was commenting on those blogs. And eventually, I would leave a link back to something I had written so people in that community could see what I was talking about. Right. So it became, it became a, uh, a, a very long and laborious process of establishing relationships, establishing content of my own, not simply sharing other people's content, and tying the two together. And I think people are looking for a shortcut these days, and, and I don't think it comes by a shortcut.
1: No, no, it does not. And so, again, coming back to doing the work, right? Exactly. Um, build, do your job. <laughs> do your job. You had one job! <laughs> <laughs> um, so for you, Scott, you've kind of stepped out, you built your own brand, you have your shoot, you got your own logo with your little bow tie and you, <laughs> you have the look, you have your own little, you know, nuance that says it's stick. It's you your stick. stick, you have there your yourself. stick. Um, and for you, you left, you know, Ford Motor Companies and, um, you know, vis a now you're you're on your own building that personal brand and. Like, what is it like now versus when you were at Ford and the transition? What kind of fear and trepidation? What kind of determination and opportunity? Well, those,
0: those are excellent questions, uh, Angus. And, and I'm going to share a little secret with you and your listeners. Um, I only did the whole bow tie routine. Because it was foisted on me. Um, you know, being at Ford, we were a business formal uh, type establishment. So we wore suits, ties, mm-hmm. uh, whole nine yards um, almost every day. And then certainly at industry events like car shows. Um, it's like one step away from banking. It's really crazy. Um, and occasionally, occasionally I would wear a bow tie. But you know what? You get spotted in a bow tie once, and you are branded the bow tie guy for life. Right? <laughs> right. So, yeah. so, somebody somebody actually created that logo for me because I was considering putting a new logo on my website, uh, and they said, "Hey, hey, what do you think of this?" And uh, they sent me over a couple of specs, and I really liked the the S and the M with the with the bow tie in the middle of it. And I said, "That's cool." So I had somebody, you know, I paid a designer to 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 do a high res version. And, and then I decided to, uh, to leave Ford, and I go, well, I got the logo already. People kind of know me from wearing bow ties, so, uh, you know, uh, I'm all in. I, I guess I have to. Right. I, I, yeah. Personally, I'd much rather wear a necktie, and mm-hmm. I have more neckties than I have bow ties. But, hey, you know, if that's what the market demands, then I'll embrace it. <laughs> because how many other, how many other digital Communications and marketing and strategy guys, do you know that wear bow
1: ties? Well, beyond that, you don't just wear a bow tie, though. You you got some swag. You <laughs> you, you always look good. <laughs>
0: well, so, I appreciate that. I I, I give the, the the credit to my parents who um, who gave me the good jeans, first of all, mm-hmm. and then just taught me how to how to dress well. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, as 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 part of that, you know, first of all, when I went out on my own. I was, I was terrified, and and frankly, there are still days when I am terrified, and, and I don't think that will ever go away, as long as I'm responsible for earning my own paycheck or or even the paychecks earning the paychecks of others, right to pay them. Um, but at the same time, it was incredibly exhilarating and freeing to be able to do that, because suddenly I'm master of my own fate. Right. Um, I, I, I control what kind of clients I want to take, what kind of work I want to get involved in, uh, when I start my work day, whether I want to take time off in the middle of the day to spend with my kids mm-hmm. on some days. Obviously, there's client commitments other times. Yep. But I have more control over my life now than I have ever had. And people had said to me for many years when I was at Ford, because my job became, it wasn't written this way on paper, but it became something of an internal consultancy. And people would say, well, I need to know something about digital and social, you know, right. and somebody else would say, well, go ask Scott. So I would sit down with people outside of the realm of my normal job and help bring them up to speed and help them design a strategy and all the rest. And people would say, you know, you should do this on your own. You should open your own consultancy. And I always poo-pooed it. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I, and I, <laughs> I, I had the ability to be an entrepreneur within the confines of Ford, to be able to break things and to build things. And yet I had the safety net, right? I, I, had, yeah. I had the benefits. I had the, you know, the paycheck. So I never really had to go out there and do it on my own but when push came to shove and you know i kind of looked at where i was in my career i thought well it's never going to get any better than this in terms of being ripe for an opportunity mm-hmm. and if i if i miss this window i may never have it again mm-hmm. so i i basically just jumped uh I have the full support of my family i have a wonderful network of people uh clients and otherwise that are helping me along as subscribers and uh, and, and followers online, and I couldn't do it without all of them.
1: Mm-hmm. And for you, like, what was it like? Um, where, where did you grow up?
0: I, I grew up in Connecticut, and then I went to school in Boston, and I stayed on in Boston for 20 years until Ford recruited me out to Michigan. And when I left Ford, I decided there's no reason to leave Michigan. You know, I, I could do this from anywhere. It's right. a fairly good cost of living. Uh, all I need is a good Wi-Fi connection and a decent airport, and uh, I'm set. Okay? Uh,
1: hence, I came to Nashville. Same thing. Just there you go. Keep it simple. So the well, reason why you, at- you
0: have better barbecue than we do. <laughs> come on,
1: come on. Uh, I got a couple places I'll take you. Um, so on that same note, um, I, the reason why I asked is because stepping out on your own, obviously. You have to develop some chutzpah to put yourself out there, A, and then B, be confident that, you know, I guess you just have to portray confidence. And sometimes for people in the Midwest, um, for myself, my brother, and others I've talked to, like, it's a little hard. It's complicated, the wiring in our brains that thinks that when we put ourselves out there that we're going to get shot down, that we're going to be seen as a douchebag, that who do we think oh, we God. are? Yeah. You know what I mean? Who do you, who do you, you grew up in central Wisconsin. Who do, you, who do you think you did go speak at conferences and yada yada? <laughs> what, what, what? Like, did you ever go through that or did you just kind of mature into it and just roll with it? No, I know I'm a douchebag.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you embrace it. No, um, I, I, I think we well, most decent people probably are self conscious about that. and And I made a very concerted effort while I was at Ford to deflect any credit from myself to the rest of the team because you can't do this kind of thing alone. And, you know, you just heard me saying that I couldn't do what I do if it weren't for my family and, and, and friends and network and all that. It's still true. And, and I, maybe that's part humility. Maybe it's part self-doubt. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, maybe it's the truth. Uh, I, I don't think it serves anyone to stand up there and say, I got here on my own, through my own smarts, through my own hustle, through my own sheer will. This is, this is the earth, people. We need each other. And, and I don't care whether you're from the Midwest, whether you're from New Jersey, uh, whether you're from California. We effectively are all the same human beings. We all want the same things. We all get to where we are the very same way and And frankly, I don't think I could have had a better leader from whom to learn than the very Midwestern uh, native Kansan uh, Alan Mulally at, at Ford, who was a, uh, he just he typifies what it means to be a leader in in my book, and I was so fortunate to have somebody there who embraced all of those values and more
1: hmm. yeah. and How have you navigated, you know, from blogging to um, obviously the evolving of everything from MySpace to Facebook to Twitter? And now we've got, you know, all of this other stuff, Uh right? (laughs) Did you just say hello? (laughs) I did. I did. (laughs) Was a flash in the pan.
0: I remember those guys. Um, So
1: how have you, like gone through all of these iterations of the, these media things to, you know, embrace, to learn, et cetera. And then what are you looking at into the future? Well, uh, I
0: think anyone worth their salt really needs to experiment with these platforms. You know, they, they may not all be for you. Uh, you know, I've, I've taken the time to experiment with Snapchat, for example. I'm not a huge Snapchatter, and mostly because Snapchat's a very visual, um, a very visual network, a very visual platform. I'm if if I'm home at, at my home office, there's not really a lot visually here to to excite people. That would right. really make it worthwhile. If I were still at Ford, and I were on a test track, and I were at the uh, the F one fifty factory and stuff, if I in the hall with Alan Mulally, well, sure sure that would be a lot different. <laughs> and to me, you know, the other thing that, that's big, and it's it's why I do this every Sunday night, is live video, mm-hmm. which is which is really counterintuitive. At the same time that 60% of people are watching television in a time-shifted manner, right, mm-hmm. on their DVRs or uh, on their, their iPads or whatever, why would live video be suddenly the thing, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's because you want to be able to convey to somebody that you're feeling something or you're thinking something and that you're giving them an experience they otherwise couldn't have at that very moment, right? And maybe they tune in live, maybe they catch it on on replay, right? So for me, live video is also very important. But when I first sat down to think about how could I do this Facebook live video stuff, when Facebook gave me the, um, the feature, I thought, well, who am I what makes me so special that somebody would want to tune in and see a talking head i mean what am i going to do right so i came up with this plan to first of all put some utility behind it right use it as a preview of my monday morning newsletter so if you tune in live the benefit that you're going to get is you're going to see what a couple of the links are and yeah. you're going to to hear me wax poetic <laughs> About those topics a little more in depth than I would in a newsletter, right? So I get to spout off, and and you'll get to see other people who are also there and interact with them in the comments section. So once I had that kind of plan together, I started saying, "Well, how do we make it so that people will actually want to tune in?" So I said, "You got to do it. You got to do it on a regular basis. You have to schedule it. You have to let people know when it's going to happen, rather than just popping up." And say, oh, by the way, I'm live right now. You know, build some anticipation. Right. And, and that's why I started doing trivia in it as well, to kind of make it fun. And, and because I've got a name like a game show host anyway, um, I, I figured I may as well play the game show host. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. you wrap all those things together and suddenly, okay, now you've got something that's compelling. right? And now uh, I'm able to, to be more intelligent about it when I counsel brands about the opportunity. Yeah. I, um,
1: can I jump in? Yeah, go for it, of course. So you do the live videos and you've got the newsletters. Uh, do you feel like those activities bring you leads or are they more just kind of brand awareness? How would you How would you segment what those activities provide for the Scott Monty experience?
0: I, I think they're both, uh, and I can give you a couple of examples in a minute. But, you know, in terms of thinking about all the other ones, and I realize I kind of strayed from the initial question there, Angus um, – it, it's about, you have to experiment, but you also have to go where it's most effective, right? And I think at this point, email, as I said earlier in the show, is still very effective. Facebook, obviously very effective as well, which that's where it ties into the, to the live video. And the other thing too is, um, I'm a firm proponent, even though you've got all sorts of options like Facebook notes and uh, the LinkedIn publishing platform and medium that are all blogging like, uh, atmospheres or, or, or platforms i 'm still a full believer that you need to own your own content right you need to be out there on all those other places, but you need to still have a central place where you control the experience mm-hmm. and that 's why having a website or a blog or whatever you want to call it is really important right so so Marcus to your point, the live video, the newsletter you know yep. those all are parts of the overall Let's call it Scott Monty Strategies brand experience that I'm putting together. Mm-hmm. In addition to public speaking, right. right? To me, public speaking is probably more of a calling card for um, you know what I stand for and and the services I provide than uh, either of those other two individually. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, and and here's here's a perfect example. One of my clients is is Walmart, right? Largest company in the world, yeah. so I, I should just hang it up now. I can't. I can't do anything better than, than that. Um, Fortune one. I, I, right, that's exactly it. Fortune one. What? Um, so they they actually started by reading my newsletter, and they contacted me to go down and speak to one of their groups at the home office. Right. When I was down there and I gave the speech, which that's what I was contracted to do. That's what I expected would be the beginning and the end of it. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, they pulled me into a conference room and they said, well, we need to figure out a way to work together. Mm-hmm. Said, okay. And they said, oh, by the way, we take your newsletter and we either make all of our team members subscribe to it or we disseminate it internally uh, and, and make sure they read it every week. Right. So it, it, it one built on the other. And they kind of fed off of each other, and now, um, you know, I guess it was eight months later they finally signed me as a uh, as a vendor.
1: Right, right. That's pretty rad, uh, you know. And that works great because of your background, and um, you know, you've already been established. If you were to think about Scott Monty from a new angle, say say you were kind of fresh out of the boat, so to speak, and you, a small business or an entrepreneur, um, how do you feel like somebody like that? One of our listeners. You're one of our our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Pretend you were one of our listeners and you're listening to you say what you're saying. Mm -hmm. How would you apply to that person? Where would they get started? How would they go about building their own brand? Well, first they have to hire Scott Monty Strategies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, nice. I, I think you know, like I said, it's it's not necessarily something that you can just come out of the gate with. It's something that you have to work at, and it's something you have to build towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it absolutely, essentially involves networking, both online and in person, with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what better place to start than in your own hometown community? Yeah. And it could be that you've got, um, oh, I don't know, a, a, a local chapter of the American Marketing Association or uh, the, the PRSA mm-hmm. or uh, Toastmasters or Rotary. You know, go to these events, interact with other people, and then start volunteering to, to speak at these events, even if it's just for 10 minutes right to give people a sense as to what your position is on subject x right mm. and obviously i'm not talking about a paid speaking gig at this point you know yeah. if you're just if you're starting out as an entrepreneur or as a speaker best thing you can do is take as many free gigs as you can yeah. get your name out there get yourself known and get people in the same room with you mm. um because b2b b2c doesn't matter to me it, and I saw uh, Jenny Romady, the uh, uh, CEO of IBM, another Scott Monty Strategies client, by the way, <laughs> um, mentioned just last week at the Code Conference, it's, it's not B2C or B2B, it's B2I, business to individual. Mm-hmm. Or I've heard it called f to f face to face. It still matters. And I think you can make more of an impact on people that way by being present, physically present, and sharing your ideas than you can online in this day and age.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, gosh. And then I think of uh, Brian Kramer, human to human, and H to H. Like there's so many iterations of that. There you go. So for you, and now this is the part where we get up in your business, because that's, after all, the name of the oh, show. Oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> oh, man. So for you, Scott Monty, when you jumped ship from corporate, and, you know, like I jumped the shark. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you evaded this question before. So I'm going to drill down harder. Um, you know, what was that in intrepidation and the fears? Like, what are the limiting beliefs that maybe you confronted when you finally didn't have the parachute?
0: Yeah, well, I think that the first one was, am I going to be able to feed my family? Mm. You know, how am I going to do this? Uh, and and what I did is I, I planned for it. I, I I planned to have six months worth of uh, living expenses set aside, or six months, frankly, of, of a salary uh, that I would need to support us set aside so that I could supplement or fall back on that um, if I had to. And, and frankly, uh, a lot of folks that I talked to before I made that decision uh, counseled the very same thing. Yeah. They said, you know, it, it usually takes at least six months to, to really get going, six months to a year. Right, and I said to myself, "I'm going to give myself one year in this new gig." And by the way, my year anniversary was yesterday.
1: Congratulations! Thank you.
0: Woo! Um, to see whether this takes root or not, and and frankly, whether it's right for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I felt like I had the entrepreneurial bug, but I had never done it myself. So I started thinking about okay. Not only am I going to have to bring the salary in, but now I'm responsible for healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm responsible for. Um, you know legal matters and insurance and all the rest, all the all the benefits that come with having a full-time gig you don't really give those much thought until they're not part of your gig anymore right right and and what i did is i reached out to other people that had gone through the same kind of thing what do i have to do to get incorporated right? what do i have to do to uh, track expenses and manage invoices. What what systems do you guys use? Right. So you, you know you go through all the minutiae of, of of planning, and then you finally launch, and you're out there, and you're like, uh, okay, when when when's that phone going to ring? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And and looking at the projections, as, as I as I looked out, you know, three nine uh, three six nine months out, and and looking at the the revenue going off a cliff at a certain point. I, that was a real wake up call to me. right. cuz at the one point you're like, "oh, well this is great. I got I got three speaking gigs lined up and I got I got a 30 day project and you're feeling really good. And then when you map it out in your financial projections, you go, "Holy crap." Right? This, right. This stuff's about to get real, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And and what a motivating factor to actually get you out there and keep doing more. Yeah. Right, it it you're not you're not living off the uh, the teat anymore. You're <laughs>
1: really?
0: you, this is the real deal, yeah. right? And and, and and frankly, and and I'll bet both you guys have the same experience. There are days when you just feel like you're on top of the world. There are days when you feel like the world is crashing down on you. Yeah. And such is the life of an entrepreneur. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And when you feel those days when the the crash is is feeling a little intense. Like, what do you do to pick yourself up? What do you do to encourage Scott Monty? I usually drink heavily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this like is Mad- not an endorsement I, I and not a, <laughs>
0: need a yeah, disclaimer. It's do not podcast and drive. Uh, um, it, it's. I do have the whole Mad Men bar set up in my office here, which is great. You can do that at home. Right. Right. People right. don't really uh, look approvingly on that when you're at Ford Motor Company. <laughs> I found um, <laughs> no. Um, I, I think th- th- there's a couple of things that I do. One, I make sure that I'm out in the like if if I'm if I've got a week at home like I do this week where I'm not traveling, I make sure that I have some kind of external business commitment that I have to go to, and it could be anything from you know a chapter meeting of a, a local industry society or group to just scheduling lunch or coffee with a colleague who lives in the same city as you. Getting yourself out, mm. and especially when you're a solopreneur, getting yourself out and meeting other human beings that are above two and a half years of age and three feet in height. <laughs> um, notice I said and because I don't want to disparage any little people out there. They're, you know, um, That's really important. You absolutely need to keep yourself connected with the outside world. Mm-hmm. And to me, I've, I get so much positive energy. I get so much excitement and encouragement from being around other people, other people that are succeeding, uh, in there. And, and quite frankly, if somebody isn't succeeding, I love getting together with them, not to laugh at them, but to, to commiserate and to see how together we can, we can help boost each other up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's rich. Um, yeah. So. For, as we kind of bring this into a landing, the person that's listening, um, if you were to um, look back at, you know, Scott Monty, age 20, experiencing all that you've experienced and learning all that you've learned and the wisdom that you've gained, what would you tell that 20-year-old Scott Monty? Wow. Um, Don't go to medical school. Um
0: <laughs> I, did, I I did the first year of medical school I don't know if you guys know that no you no, didn't no. I, um i i I did that with the with the intent of continuing on to become a physician. I actually wanted to be a pediatrician if you can believe that nice. that's where the bow tie comes from I guess yeah I'm sure because the best pediatricians wear bow ties you know that mm-hmm. so the kid doesn't grab your tie or pee on it um. <laughs> Or if they do pee on it, they've got to aim. Oh, well, that's true. And then, you know, you've got other things to worry about too. That's right. um, but I, I quickly uh, understood that I did not want to uh, follow the whole medical school process and become a doctor. Um, so I coupled it with an MBA uh, with a specific concentration in healthcare management. I, I don't know that I would necessarily need that now. I, I would have encouraged myself to get into the workforce a lot sooner. And and to just experience life. Right. You know, I, I, I came out of business school. Well, the first course I took in business school was strategy, which is kind of the, the wrong way around. But because mm-hmm. I was doing it part-time, I could choose whatever courses I want. I'm like, well, this looks good. And what strategy does, as you guys probably know, is it brings together all the disparate parts of business, mm-hmm. marketing and, and finance and operations and all the rest. And I loved it. I just love that breadth of view and the ability to bring those areas of expertise together. So I graduated from business school thinking, I want to be a strategist. Well, there, there really aren't jobs for, quote-unquote, strategy freshly for a freshly minted MBA, especially one who has had no... Uh, discernible work experience. Mm-hmm. Right? right? To me, strategy is gained, the knowledge of strategy is gained by virtue of having been in business, having had the real life experience of many of these different uh, areas. Right. To me, I would say bypass the, the graduate school. Go get some work experience. Figure out what you want to do. And then find an employer quite frankly. If you're hell-bent on getting the MBA, find an employer who will Who pay, will for, pay it? for it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was still paying school loans off, jeez, uh, 10, 12 years after I graduated
1: from business school. Some of us are still paying it till the apocalypse.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Well, if Donald Trump gets elected, that that apocalypse <laughs> may happen, so... <laughs> <laughs> Ouch.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> and on Mark, that. Why
0: are you just staring at me like that with that blank stare? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, you're not on
1: video. I no, I'm not. No, I'm, <laughs> but I am staring blankly, yes. <laughs> um so last, you know, opportunity for you to kind of share something with our listeners, like if you were to give some parting words uh, to encourage someone who's listening, what would you tell them? Well, we hear the advice quite often:
0: don't be afraid to make mistakes, and and I think that's fine. But hey, guess what? If you're making mistakes, please try to learn from them. Um, you know, I've seen many people make the same mistakes over and over and over again, and that doesn't really help anybody. Uh, it's actually more detrimental than you may think. Now, it's wonderful to be able to have the freedom to experiment and to try new things and, and to not be afraid to fail, right? But just as you go into it without the fear of failure, neither should you have the fear of succeeding, right? I found, for me, that that was probably more of an underlying factor in my trepidation, in my unwillingness to go out on my own so much earlier, because I was afraid of not failing, but succeeding. What, 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 how would I know how to figure this stuff out? How would I know how to, how to set up a new business, how to pay an employee, how to do some of the things I've never done before? Right. Well, you know what? If you're, if, you're, if you're in a situation where you have to figure that stuff out, that's good news. That means you're doing well, and there are other people out there who will help you. People always want to be part of a success story. So don't hold your back, hold yourself back by failing to learn from those mistakes and, and, and hampering your own efforts to succeed.
1: Great word, great word. So if people want to get a hold of Mr. Scott Monty, how would they go about doing so?
0: Uh, easiest way is to just go to scottmonty.com. And you can find it all there, how to connect to me on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and email and subscribing to the newsletter and all the rest. And Plurk and (laughs) Ello.
1: And Snapchat. And Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, it's been awesome. Scott, thank you so much for uh, your transparency and, and doing what you do best, just being you. I really appreciate you, Marcus, as well. Thanks, guys, for being a part of the show. Thank you. Pleasure. I want to thank Marcus for joining us on the show today. And also a great uh, appreciation to Scott Monty for uh, just sharing his wealth of knowledge. Um, I encourage you, go check out his newsletter, The Full Monty. Uh, you can learn about the, the latest and greatest in business tech news. Lots of great information there. Now, the thing that really jumped out to me today on the show was the part that Scott talked about, that fear of being successful. is I like to call it the fear of success. You know, at the end of the day... Most of us don't realize that our mind, our mindset is such an invaluable part uh, to the trajectory of our life. And if we don't, uh, stay with me here, mind our mind, um, we often miss out. And where some would say that they have this fear of failure, that they don't want to look bad or something of that nature. That's one facet, kind of like Scott said. But that fear of success, that's like stating the thing I see in my mind's eye that I'm here to do my purpose. I am going to disqualify myself from accomplishing that because I don't believe I can become the person I need to be in order to accomplish the thing I know I'm here to accomplish. That's pretty deep. And there are so many of us who have gone through phases and confrontations with fear, with intimidation, with intrepidation. And I want to invite you to this simple piece of knowledge. Anytime there is fear, courage is its immediate partner. You cannot have one without the other. Courage is only a result of fear being there in the first place. And in order for you to overcome the fear, you only need a small, very, very small percentage more courage than you have fear. So every time you run up against something and you start to feel that compulsion, that hesitation, that, that fear, Know that that is an invitation for you to f- discover the courage necessary to liberate yourself to something new. And if you get the mindset that anytime you r- brush up against that fear, that it is the threshold or the um, gateway to the next echelon. And if you allow that fear to control you, you can might as well just accept the fact that you are being manipulated by your own subconscious of experience or voice of people from the past. Don't do that. Don't allow things to hold you back from being your most effective self. In order for you to get past some of these things, you may have to meditate on some some, um, affirmations. You may have to get a third party. You may have to get coaching or counseling. Like All these things are possible. The question remains, do you want it? bad enough? Will you do what it takes to get over the fear? That's my thought for you today. And I invite you to come to the other side because you can find things that are beautiful and amazing that you will build your worth you will build your confidence, and you will build yourself upon a higher echelon knowing that fear cannot stop you. That's a pretty powerful feeling. So, yeah, stay with us. There's going to be more to come. Oh, my gosh. what a, That was really deep. And I, I love you being a part of this. I'm so glad that you stayed uh, through the show to hear a little bit of that. If you will have any questions or if you want to comment on the show, please come and find me on Twitter. At Angus Nelson is where to you go? Just the at sign, A-N-G-U-S-N-E-L-S-O-N. If you're looking for any of the links that we discussed in the show, you can find those on the show notes page. Simply go to AngusNelson.com forward slash 044. Four. I'd also like to encourage you, come and join us on Facebook. I've got this uh, private Facebook group uh, for uh, a couple hundred of us. You can simply type, up in your business private group in your Facebook search bar. You'll see that pop up. Just request entry. I'll make sure you get into the community. Other than that, I am your host, Angus Nelson. Go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give is a referral to someone else, either by telling them in person or sharing it on the web. I would love for you to share. Keep taking your business up by getting up in your business. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. Be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson.
0: Find more at upinyourbusiness.co Remember, that's .co, not com.